Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. As he was sitting out on a journey, a man ran up and kneeled before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him and gave, looking at him, loved him and said, "You lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me." When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, "How hard it will be for those who have wealth." to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how hard is, is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news. Who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age? houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, and fields with persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, are you tired or run down? Do you feel insecure? Well, have we got the answer for you. Get your very own security blanket today. It drags, it snaps, it floats. It could even save your life. Gain friends and self-confidence. Accept no substitutes. Nothing gets rid of the blues like this blue little blanket. Results may vary. Act now and we'll even throw in a free mailbox, Christmas tree, street sign, kite, and a whole flock of angry kids. Supplies are limited. Blankets are going fast. Act now. Call today. Angry kids may be limited or prohibited in certain areas. Some side effects after separation from security blanket may include sluggishness, insomnia, drowsiness, increased perspiration, weakness, separation anxiety, nausea, dizziness, hair thinning, premature balding, a general wishy-washiness, dog dragging, being dragged by dog, and not exclusively random attacks by dog. Get yours today! You guys remember that in the peanut show? You know, the thing is, in the 60s when this thing came out, I don't know if you're my age or older, you would know what's called the wonderful world of Disney. It was on Sunday nights at 7 o'clock, and we never could see it because we had Sunday night church. <laughs> Not that I'm resentful. <laughs> but this is where there was no DVRs, there was no VHS players. You had to watch it that night or you're not going to see it for another year. And so I've always been fascinated with Charles Soltz, that the characters that he 
writes in the Peanuts character that every one of us can connect with one of them. Whether it's uh, Charlie Brown or Lucy or the piano player or even Linus with me. And so you look at this about security blankets because I don't know why Linus needed a security blanket, but he had a crazy sister, if you know that, right? Lucy. And if I had Lucy as a sister, maybe I would have needed a blanket as well. But I'm finding out this, that why we connect to the Peanuts characters is because a lot of the times that we are living, we are living with security blankets as well. We all have them. We all have these little security blankets in our lives. And so today, if you notice, last week we had an incredible service, and I started a new series called Starting Over. And last week I talked about how we need a Christ-like, uh, a childlike faith. Not a childish faith, but a childlike faith. But what stops us from having a childlike faith? What prevents us from having the joy of the Lord in our lives? And I really believe this, and I put it on the screen, it's simply an adult security blanket. Things that we hold on to life, things that we have to have. And we have, like, control issues, right? I'm not the only one here that has control issues. Basically, people that have control issues, like us, is we're looking for security, whatever that security blanket is. And so in the reading that Renee read today, I could connect with this guy. Because his security, what it was, was his finances. It was money. The number one thing that couples argue about is money. And this is why we all want to win the lottery, because once we win the lottery, then I can be secure. I had $40 million, I would be the happiest person on the planet, wouldn't I? Or wouldn't you? I don't know how many people told me to pray for them that they would win the lottery, because tithe on a $40 million check would really help the church. <laughs> okay, let me pray that you win the lottery, because I doubt that I'm going to get 10% of that, but let's do it. And so this is where it's fascinating to me, because this guy that was coming up to Jesus here, really had his finances figured out. He was known as rich. And what he was doing, he was looking, thinking about his mortality, realizing all my riches in the world that I have is not going to help me when I go into the other part of my life. So therefore, he comes to Jesus. And if you look at verse 17 in Mark, chapter 10, it says this, because he's looking for security. As he was setting out on, on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And we read this because he had security already, so now he's focused on eternal life. Because back then the mortality rate was 100%. I don't know what it is now, but I think it's close. And so he was focused on this. So Jesus, it really is interesting because Jesus, if you use this analogy, this is what Jesus is doing. He starts with a soft pitch, and then it turns into this massive curve, and he just strikes out. Because what, what he's doing this is Jesus then tells him in Mark chapter 10, verse 19, he says, you know the commandments, he says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. 
And I think this is where the dude interrupted him because he didn't even get to the 10. And he said this. He said to him, teacher, I've kept all these since my youth. So basically he goes, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm doing this. And so Jesus basically quoted the Ten Commandments. And basically he was asking him this question. And I put it on the screen. Have you kept the basic religious rules? That's why it seems like he was asking. And so what's fascinating to me, then you could sense the cockiness of this guy. I've done it, I've done it, I've done it. Just tell me how to do it. And so this is where the curve starts spinning <laughs> rapidly. Take a look. It's in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Now, this is interesting because it, it, it kind of expresses the emotions of him as well, of Jesus. He looked at him, it says, and he loved him. So his motivation, he's speaking the truth in what? Love. And so he said, you lack one thing. Go and sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, then come follow me. It just, oh man, I don't even know if he swung at that one and tried to get it. Because this is what Jesus was doing. He was yanking, like Linus's security blanket. He's going, get rid of it. And so therefore, you, don't, you hold it real tight, don't you? Like our little phones are our security blankets sometimes. And so he was holding tight on this. And so follow me on the screen. The man's wealth was his security blanket. But his security blanket was obstacle, was an obstacle. There was no way he could follow the way of Jesus' love as long as he had to cling to his wealth and these strict religious observances. Now, I think Jesus brought this Ten Commandments in for this guy knew... For this guy, when it came to transactional relationships, I don't know if you've been in a transactional relationship. Basically, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Most of us have transactional relationships. So most likely, this guy was wealthy, thought, look, I obeyed the religious laws, so therefore God's going to be pleased with me, and when God's pleased with me, he's going to reward me with this. Now, we don't consciously say this, but what we do is when things are going rough, and we go, why is this happening to us? Why is this happening to me? Because I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've been good, but why is this? Why not other people? We have the transactional thinking that we do this. And so most likely, this rich man had the same thing. And so he thought, you know what? If I can make God happy, he'll make me happy. Here's the point. Look on the screen. Jesus tells this guy that he is missing the whole point of his religion. Following the Ten Commandments, he meant to teach him how to love God and his neighbor. It was to train him to respond with compassion to people he had the means to help. Now, look at this. I would consider myself, because I'm a pastor, a religious man, right? And the thing is, we look at religion, if someone, tell me what the description of a religious person is. You would say, he does this, or a Catholic, you know, all the Catholic rituals. But if you look in the book of James, which is Joseph and Mary's biological son, he writes what, the definition of what pure religion is. And he says this, it's on the screen. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father 
is to care for the orphans, the widows in their distress, and to keep one abstained from the world. That is, according to the word of God, the purest definition of religion. And if you look back in those days, the orphans and the widows were just kind of discarded in, the, in, the, in their society. When you were a widow, that basically your husband could not make the money, your life was connected to all, all it was was begging. You had to beg. Orphans, you have to understand that the children, when the disciples did not want the children near Jesus, those are the ones that were brought by parents, let alone the orphans. And so he's saying pure religion is this, that you take care of the people that have been discarded in our society. And so follow me on here, on the screen again. This is where the shock kicked in. Material possession is not the only kind of wealth we possess. Some of us are wealthy in education, accomplishments, popularity, or family. But what Jesus seems to be saying is that what we possess tends to possess us. Those things become our security blankets as long as we are clinging tightly to any of those things. We are not free to love as he loves. This is why Jesus, Jesus is talking about how difficult it is for a rich man to get uh, in the kingdom of God. Through that. And he used the analogy of the camel in the eye of the needle. Now, this is what I don't believe. That basically Jesus is not saying, if you're rich, you ain't, you got, life is going to be hell. That's not what he's saying. Because if that was the case, we live in the richest country in the world. We are in the top 1% just because you live in America for the world. That would be all messed up. But I think this is what Jesus was doing. Jesus was confronting the rich man's security blanket. His, what, he, what he felt secure in. And therefore Jesus knew there is no way that you can find complete security in your money. Now this is interesting for us in America. Because finances for me, I get so stressed out on finances because I go what if what if this you, have you done the worst case scenario I'm going to be homeless I'm going to be sitting in the gutter my wife won't leave me and all this stuff because I'm broke I mean I think this stuff I know you guys don't because you're healthy and I'm not but, <laughs> but when we look at Mark chapter 10 uh, this is then Jesus really kind of has this open dialogue with his disciples and follow me on this and this is right after the rich man kind of just goes off and keeps his security blanket truly I tell you there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses brothers and sisters mothers and children and fields with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. But many of who are first will be last, and the last shall be first. So you look on the surface of this, and you think, Jesus, you are being unreasonable here. Because what you're saying is, I need to abandon everything I have. I abandoned my marriage, abandoned my family, abandoned this. But this is where I think Jesus did a mic drop. I don't know. That's one thing when I retire. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just dropping a mic, and I'm out of here. Whatever that will happen. And with my retirement, I'll be 98. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. But he dropped some wisdom here. And what is Jesus telling us? 
and I put it on the screen. He's saying this to his disciples and to you and I. Let go of your security blankets. They provide no ultimate security anyway. What you are holding on to will have hold of you, and you will not be free. If you're clinging tightly to the allegiance of your homeland, you will not be free to love those beyond your borders. If you're clinging tightly to your culture that you were born into, you will not be totally free to love those outside your culture. If you must hold tightly to the religious traditions you inherit, then you will not be free to know and love me intimately. If you are, if you are so invested in this false self-image that you think makes you acceptable to others, you will never be free to become the true person God has made you to be. And if you have to hold tightly to a life which you, you, you'll be forced to let go when you die, and you won't be free to live a full, flourishing life now and after you die. This is why Jesus, with Angela, let it go. You need to let it go. I need to let it go. Because what happened is I go, and then I take it back. You know, it's like worship service. You know, you're sitting there going, oh, I'm free from this. And you walk out the door and you grab it again. I do the same thing. And so this is where it's important. I'm going to let it go. The blankets. Look at Mark chapter 10. For the sake and for the sake of good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now, is this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields and, pers- and fields of persecution. This is where I think... We think Jesus is saying, look, you let it go. I promise I'm going to replace it and give you more. And again, we start thinking transactional, right? We have an expectation. But this is not what Jesus is saying. This is what I think he's saying. It's on the screen. Jesus is inviting us out of our small scarcity mentality where everything must be earned and protected. He's inviting us to a much larger awareness is an awareness of God's kingdom where there is unconditional love, abundant grace, and plentiness. To get into this larger world, we must be willing to leave or let go of the small families to which we cling for our, own, our security. When we are willing to let go of our possessions, our country, our family, our status, and other ego-based securities, we usually don't lose those things. We just realize they were not ours to begin with. Everything belongs to God, and all that belongs to God belongs to all of us, his children. And if all belongs to God, we can freely share what God has freely shared with us. This is how grace works. But to experience this, grace, we have to have this childlike faith to follow Jesus, who lived in the awareness, and when the time came, was even willing to let go of his own life so that we could find ours. If this is not a message for us in the United States now, if you think about it, if this is not a message for what we're going through as a country, because a lot of us, including myself, we say, well, look, I'm following the evangelical Ten Commandments, but somehow we feel trapped. And sometimes it's about power. You have to understand the kingdom of God power is totally opposite in the worldly power. And therefore, we as Christians try to grab on to the worldly power and slam in Jesus' name in there. Let it go. I need to let it go. And we're afraid to let go of our blankets. Here's where I think the mantra of our United States is. This is just my opinion. 
I'll put it on the screen. Earn all you can, borrow all you can, spend all you can. Right? That's capitalism. And so therefore, you know, we, got, we look at first and we go, how can they be so happy? They have all these boats and houses and all this stuff. But we don't see how much in debt they are. And so we, we look at this and we say, it's all about material wealth. It's all about possessing things that will make you happy. There's many things that I thought would make me happy, materialism, that I got that made me happy for a while until I had to pay for it. That interest-free loan or that payment is hard to pay now and it's not giving me the joy that I used to have. But John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, which basically our denomination puts him out like sitting on the right side of Jesus, but, um, but he was a genius. He was a founder of Methodism. He says this, here's the mantra. Earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Can you imagine if we did this? Earn all you can, save all you can, but give all you can. See, this is when we give all we can, it's the center of Jesus. It's the center of following Jesus here. And so this is, this is what it is about being generous, having the freedom to love, being generous, having the freedom of compassion, being generous brings us true joy. Now, I don't preach about giving at all because we have rental property that keeps us going. But giving is an important aspect of where our heart is. And let me tell you, as a pastor, it's the hardest thing for me to do. Because imagine you going to work and you were saying, you know what, you got to give 10% back to your work. Oh, and your wife needs to give 10% back. You go, what kind of job is this? See the mentality? The thinking? And so let, let me just share with you real quick. There was a time when Korak, Korak and um, uh, Reuben Luna, Pastor Reuben, are the only two people that I know in this church that knows who gives. I don't know who gives. They keep it away from me because they think that I would, I would treat you different. So if Angela was giving 50000 a year and this guy over here was giving 40 bucks a year, I think I would. <laughs> I'd do anything to keep this girl happy, to keep giving, right? So I, 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 I can see the, the thinking about it. So Korak one year goes to me and he says, hey, I'm closing in the books. This was in the beginning of January. He goes, I'm closing the books. And I go, okay. He goes, do you want to give any for last year? And I go, no. You know, because I... So anyway, you get those statements, and you go, dang, that's all I gave, you know, for the year? You know what it said? Zero. Nada. I'm the pastor of the church. Zero. And you know what? I felt so bad. I felt like a total failure and stuff like that. And the wrath of my wife, you know, that, you know so I don't know if you know that you, you're ready to get chewed out, and then you go, um... Because of taxes. I can't hide this, you know. So I, I said, hey, hon, <laughs> you won't believe this. <laughs> we gave nothing to God last year. <laughs> and you know what? She didn't get mad. What she did, she said, there's no problem. We'll just double tie this year. 20%. Are you? And I, I can't argue. Because she says, hey, you know what, we're supposed to give, let's give 20% this year. So we did. 
honestly, that was the best financial year we've ever had. I don't understand how. I don't understand what, what happened. I don't get it. 20% of her salary. Now, I went back down to 10, and I know Jennifer's going to go, you know what? You know, the thing is, that's my security blanket. And that's the one that I struggle with. And that's what the. Let me tell you one more story. I'm sorry. And this is. Do you ever want to be a homeowner on the west side? <laughs> Jennifer and I saved $50,000 in 2005 to buy a house. We couldn't afford it. So the Lord put on my heart. Give it away. And we were doing the orphanages. And I didn't tell anybody. I knew it was that. That was my security plan. The Lord was going, give it away. I didn't do it. I bought two houses in Florida and one house in Washington. And the goal was to sell them so I could get a down payment of 150000 Those houses went down 60% in 2008. I was $320,000 under with all three houses. My security blanket became my biggest nightmare, right? I still own the homes. And so sometimes God tells us, you got to trust me on this. That can't be your security blanket because later on it's going to be your biggest nightmare. And so needless to say, you know, we got out of debt. The houses were paid off. Man, it was hell. From 2005 to 2015, we just had to pay off the debt. But if I gave that, if I listened to the Lord, it wouldn't have been as bad. The point is here, and this is what Paul says. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And by the way, I don't live in the house that I own. I still don't, okay? So the American dream is still not there. Who sows bountiful will also reap bountiful. Each of us must give as we have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God's love as a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that you, that, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. Can you imagine if all of a sudden we let go of our security blanket and finances, what we could do with a spy, what we can do in this community, what we can do in this area if we just let go of the security blanket. Now let's go back to Linus, because I love Linus. I want to show you this picture of Linus. Do you remember this? This was in Linus's Christmas special. This is the only time that I could see Linus put down his blanket. And you know what he was talking about? When he put it on his blanket, he was talking about Jesus. He's talking about his first Christmas. He does this minute and a half monologue, he puts down his security blanket, and he starts talking about Jesus. But it's interesting, if you watch it, after he does it, he picks up his security blanket and walks out. But at the end of the show, do you guys remember the tree here? One more. Remember this one? The tree, for me, represents nobody wants it. For me, it represents the orphans. Okay, I may be stretching here, 
But it's interesting that when he comes to that tree, he takes his security blanket when it, and puts it down at the foot. And that, that tree becomes alive. And then he, they end the whole show. He never picks it up. Hark the herald, the angels sing, the newborn king. Very fascinating to me. So when we lay down our security blankets and helping the poor and helping the pure religion when our finances, to me, Charles Schultz was an incredible writer on what he didn't say. And so follow me on the screen. God knows that a cheerful giver is free of security blankets. They have let go of nothing. They, they, have, they have let go and nothing is holding them onto them. Nothing is limiting their capacity to love as God loves. Those who are free to love as God loves already have inherited eternal life. It's already theirs now in this age. So can we this week learn to use our security blankets in this incredible ministry as we recalibrate in the next nine months to really take some of our insecurities our securities blankets, and use them to help others, to be a pure religion as God called. Let's stand up and close in prayer, and then we'll go into um, the peace. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity. And I thank you, Lord, that I can preach this word and, not be, and still struggle with my own security. And we just pray, Lord, that today, whatever the security is, popularity or relationships or whatever it may be, that we can let it go and we can move forward into, into childlike faith. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. lift our hearts and we give thanks to God and we say blessed are you O God who with your word and your Holy Spirit you created all things and you called them good in Jesus Christ your word became flesh and dwelt among us through Jesus suffering and death you took upon yourself our sin our death and you destroyed the power that they have over us once and for all you raised from the dead this same Jesus who now reigns with you in glory and poured upon us your Holy Spirit, making us the people of your new covenant. On that night before meeting with death, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we who are gathered here this morning, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. And we pray, God, we pray that and we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit 
on all of us who are gathered here and on these gifts, that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this cup, we may know the presence of the living Christ and be renewed as the body of Christ for this world, redeemed by his blood until Christ returns in final victory. And together with all of the saints, we feast at your table forever. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Together we say, amen. So right before bedtime, our kids are allowed to watch a 30-minute show, and they can choose whatever, well, not whatever. <laughs> you know, so Lexi chooses hers, and then Kai, and then the battle is, well, who, who went first? Well, who went first yesterday? Because that person can't go first twice in a row, and, you know, they, they start fighting. So Kai, maybe for the last six months, has been consistently choosing American Ninja Warrior. So when that show is not on, all I hear is Kai talking in the third person. Here comes Ninja Kai, ready for his challenge. He's about to do the ropes. And, and I'm like, what the, what are you doing? He's jumping all over the house. Ninja Kai did it. And you know that show has a buzzard at the end. And he's just jumping around. Ninja Kai wins the semifinals. Woohoo, dad, woohoo. I'm like, you're crazy, man. What are you talking about? Because I can watch that show, and I am not Ninja Rubin. <laughs> I'm just watching this show. But watching that show transforms Kai into thinking and believing he is Ninja Warrior Kai. When we come to the table, I pray that you would allow it to transform you. We're not just spectators. We're not just here watching. We're not just here remembering and thinking, well, that's nice. I hope that it transforms you into that you are the body of Christ for this world. You and I leave here and we take with us and you become Christ for whoever needs it, and for those the broken, the disenfranchised. So I hope you talk in the third person. Here comes God's beloved meeting this challenge. Here comes God's child, God's son, God's daughter. And we're not here just to watch church happen. We're here, uh, we, here we are here gathered as God's beloved, remembering who we are, what he's doing in our world, so that we can leave this place with a mission, with a purpose. Right? <clears throat> because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body. For we all partake of the same loaf. I guess except if you're eating the gluten-free. Just kidding. You can eat gluten-free. So when we break this bread, we're, we're sharing in the body of Christ. And when we drink of this cup, we're sharing in the blood of Christ. All are always welcome to this table. <clears throat>
There's nothing that keeps you, that should keep you away. You don't have to take a special class or be a member or anything like that. This is not the table of Marina or the church or the denomination. This is the table of Christ. Those who are placing their trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sins, who are seeking to live in love and in peace with everyone, desire to seek more of Christ and to learn to walk in his ways, if that is you, then come and participate and, and take of these elements. If you wish to remain seated, that's perfectly okay. These gifts are the gifts of God for us, the people of God. Come now and take them in remembrance that Christ has died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith.